let's do an intro. Okay. Okay. Hi, this is our first episode of Bonnie and Maude. And this is our um, movies podcast. A podcast where we discuss a different perspective on film. Yeah, a female perspective. A human perspective. Yeah, not necessarily um, looking at it from a strictly feminist perspective. But But we are women in our 20s, so that may come into play. Yeah, we can't deny our life experiences here. Yes. I'm Eleanor Kagan. I'm Ksenia Yarosh. And we are Bonnie and Maude. For movie fans, that refers to Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde. And Maude of Harold and Maude. Two rockin' female characters. I imagine if they got together, they'd steal even more cars and rob more banks. We will approach this podcast like the way they approach life. Adventurously. Adventurously. When we were talking about this first episode of this podcast, we kept naming movies with female protagonists and the idea of ugly characters, Mm -hmm. ugly women. Because it's very rare that female characters on film get to be anything but attractive. Most of the time, they're cute or beautiful or interesting. There's something about their appearance or personality that is supposed to be attractive. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that we're using the word ugly sort of loosely, and I wonder if it would offend some people, but really it's just, like, we mean a lack of sheen, a little bit of roughness and naturalness. A complicated character. Mm -hmm. Someone who is not necessarily the classic female stereotypes in Hollywood. Yes. There are many different kinds of ugly women that are out there today. I mean, on one end, you have, you know, Charlize Theron and Monster, and Mm -hmm. Hollywood just applauds her. They're (laughs) spilling all over themselves for being like, honey, you have the bravery and strength to be ugly on screen. Congratulations. Here's an Oscar. Not to say that she wasn't great in that film, but a woman or an actress does not need to uglify herself to become a deep or real character. I think that's number one. Well, in Hollywood, she does. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Hollywood really likes dress up, whether it be, you know, again, pretty or just really repulsive, like put on a fat suit and a mask and a fake nose and a wig. Um, They do ugliness for two reasons. Either it makes it more authentic, be it a monster or even Bridget Jones's diary, where it's like, oh, she gained 30 pounds to look more like a real woman. Or they do it in anticipation of a makeover. It's like, oh, she starts out as ugly and maybe even a little mean, but by the end of the movie, she's going to be nice and maybe someone will comb her hair. Yeah, most times those makeovers involve taking off glasses and brushing someone's hair. I know. I love it. That is sort of a classic. She's all that. (laughs) She's all that. Uh, The Princess Diaries. Yes. Um, And of course... Anne Hathaway, Rachel Lee Cook, not ugly women. Not as far as I can tell. Another trope of ugly, these quote-unquote ugly characters, Mm -hmm. uh, is what I like to think of as fake ugly. And I think it's exemplified best by people like Zoe Deschanel in shows like The New Girl, at least when it first started. And it's this idea of someone, and Bridget Jones falls into this too, someone who is quirky and sort of off the beaten path, and they do things that are supposed to be like, look how real I am, look what a real woman I am. I put on big panties. I have huge glasses. (laughs) I eat so much, look how ugly I am. And 
I don't know if it's supposed to be like, oh, look, I'm just like you, even though I happen to be beautiful. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't know to see them as ugly unless there were certain cues where they explicitly stated or another character is like, ew, look at her. If she was just on screen, we'd be like, oh, okay, that's a woman. She's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe she eats a lot or picks her nose. Yeah. Or some sort of shallow qualifier mm-hmm. of this person's imperfections. Even Liz Lemon with her giant sandwiches and very simple outfits is supposed to be considered very plain. I guess on the general scheme of things, she's less attractive than most actresses or characters, but relating her to normal people, she's fairly more attractive than the average. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that Liz Lemon isn't a great character and I don't idolize Tina Fey as a brilliant writer and comic, but Liz Lemon being clumsy and having lettuce in her hair and, um, you know, not being able to hold down a boyfriend and hating sex are not necessarily well-rounded characteristics of a realistic woman Mm -hmm. in the way that some of the ugly, quote-unquote, ugly characters that we're going to be talking about in the show today um, have those multidimensional facets to their lives. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to be looking at the physically ugly woman, and we're not going to be looking at the clumsy woman. Mm -hmm. So the film we want to start off today talking about is Tiny Furniture, and that is Lena Dunham's film from 2010. Uh, Lena Dunham is 25 years old, and she has recently become best known for the show Girls. Mm -hmm. And Tiny Furniture was her first feature-length film, Mm -hmm. and it followed the story of a girl named Aura, who has just graduated from Oberlin College in Ohio. She's 23, 22 years old. Uh, She comes back home to New York City uh, to live with her mother and her sister in their Tribeca loft Mm -hmm. and to figure out what she wants to do with her life. Uh, This movie has caused a lot of controversy. It came out right around the time that there were many articles in the media about uh, the millennial generation being lazy and aimless, Mm -hmm. but also not being able to get jobs. Uh, It came out right around the time that the economy was at its worst and unemployment was at its highest. And it was also an unprecedented film because it was made by such a young artist and gained so much momentum. I believe there's a Criterion version of it. So let's talk about it. I recently watched it for the second time. And as much as I like that we finally get to see a woman in her home, just walking around in her underwear, you know, her hair unbrushed, she is rough. But uh, I just didn't like it. I just... uh, There are so many things that I want to like about it, but as a film overall, didn't enjoy it. How come? It's just too sad, and there's aimlessness, and then there's... Like, I just can't root for any of the characters. I don't like anyone but Frankie, her best friend from Oberlin, who is trying to get in touch with her and wants to get an apartment with her in New York and is sort of like just the tiny ray of hope. And Aura, the lead character, Lena, pushes her away and lets her down. And that was just too frustrating for me. When when we look at a character like Aura, um, who is... 
a young uh, upper middle class white girl, mm -hmm. you know, um, I wouldn't necessarily call her a woman. She seems very unhappy. Mm -hmm. But what is it about her that you think turns you off so much? There just wasn't a single decision that she made that I could stand behind. Like, I certainly had that fall into the abyss once I graduated from college. I, I had no idea what I was going to do. I graduated with a literature degree. You know, I had dreams of maybe getting into publishing. She just doesn't seem to have any dreams at all. I don't know what she wants. Maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, that is a huge part of her character. I love this movie, and I expected not to like it quite as much because I find myself somewhat exhausted by the desire to lump all people of a certain generation into one mm -hmm. qualifying set of rules. You know, the articles and the commentary that all says, you know, millennials are lazy and entitled it's and like have no ambition. about the Generation X. Like, I thought we figured out that that was silly since we created that. Mm -hmm. It's very odd that they're still trying, like, even talking about women are like this and men are like that mm -hmm. and, like, white people are like this and black people are like that. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I agree with that. It's very frustrating to uh, lump all those people into the same category. So in some sense, I feel like this film is both a reaction to that mm -hmm. and also explanatory of that. I mean, mm -hmm. here is this girl coming back from college. She says, I have no idea what I'm qualified for. Mm -hmm. And everyone around her is so encouraging of her art. You know, in the film, as in real life, she makes movies. Um, and we can talk about sort of the fuzzy line between Lena Dunham's real life and Aura's life in this movie, and later mm -hmm. uh, Hannah Horvath, the character Lena Dunham portrays in the TV show Girls, has that fuzzy line as well. Whom I like slightly more. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Yes. You know, Lena Dunham herself went to Oberlin. The person portraying her mom and her sister in Tiny Furniture are her real mom, and her real sister, mm -hmm. she's very aware of the type of person that she's trying to portray. And when you look at it, Lena Dunham herself is nothing like Aura. She is so ambitious to have, you know, to be a showrunner for an HBO series mm -hmm. and a successful filmmaker at 25. Obviously, she does not have the same aimlessness as Aura. Mm -hmm. But um, when we look at Aura's character, she is just sort of exhausting to everyone around her. Mm -hmm. She so badly wants to find something meaningful and find something that she cares about, mm -hmm. but she doesn't seem to be trying very hard. But at the same time, everyone around her is, <laughs> like, for a lack of a better word, shitty. Like, she has shitty friends and her family, like, her mom's ma main response is, I don't care. Like, she's loving to an extent, but I don't care. And then her sister is screeching at her because she wants to have a party or whatever. And upon first coming back to New York, Aura goes to this party to sort of reconnect with these people that she used to know. And 
one of her old friends is like, oh, it must make you really sad that this breakup recently happened. And as Aura is starting to talk, the friend is like leaving out through the window mm -hmm. to hang out with someone else. Everyone in the movie is very selfish. I think uh, especially of her best friend, Charlotte, um, mm -hmm. this girl who Aura reconnects with, uh, Charlotte played by Jemima Kirk, who uh, now portrays Jessa in Girls. As a sort of similar character as a proto charlotte yes um charlotte is sort of the prototypical wild child the girl that uh aura's mom feels is a bad influence on her mm -hmm. and uh you know she mentions early on that she is sort of put up in this fancy tribeca apartment paid for by her parents mm -hmm. and she parties and travels and sleeps with many men and does a lot of drugs mm -hmm. and those last two qualities aren't necessarily bad qualities. I don't think we should demonize Charlotte for them, um, but she is an exhausting person. I find the friendship between Charlotte and Aura to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm weirdly enamored with Charlotte, even though she is kind of despicable and really annoying. Uh, she just seems like she's having fun all the time, and I know it's a complete put-on and it's completely irrational. Um, she's captivating. Maybe that's why Aura ends up hanging out with her. Mm -hmm. um, but something I, you know, something else I noticed about Aura is, as you said, she doesn't seem to have any goals or ambitions, except advancing this idea of herself mm -hmm. and what she does by trying to focus on making everyone around her happy, or giving people what they want. I mean, she meets Jed, kind mm -hmm. of famous on YouTube. Yes, she ends up inviting him to stay at her house for a couple weeks. Uh, this guy that she doesn't even know, who is obviously mooching off her and is basically a complete asshole to her. She doesn't know when to say no to mm -hmm. him for being rude. You know, she gets in this huge screaming fight with her mother over letting him continue to stay with them. And why? I, I love that the mother says, you're not even sleeping with him. Right. When she kicks him out. Right. Yes. See, that character, I wasn't sure how exactly we were supposed to see him. Like, I didn't know if we were actually supposed to see him as an asshole or if he was sort of funny, quirky, a little rude something. Um, he he also has terrible, like, the lines that he says are so repulsive. Like, he talks about a girl who gives him blowies or was, like, all about the blowies. She was extremely forthcoming with the blowies. Yes. And she is totally on his jock now. I mean, he's clearly using Aura. Mm -hmm. And she knows it, but she doesn't seem to care. Mm -hmm. And this comes up a lot in the movie. Uh, there's an early scene where Charlotte asks her if she wants to smoke pot. And it's it's such a minor line, but mm -hmm. she's, Aura replies, you know, something along the lines of, no, but I can. And it's like, if she seems to lack the conviction to say what she wants to say or do what she wants to do mm -hmm. um, because she has this idea of herself that she wants to mm -hmm. advance. But at the same time, she's totally imposing on her mother. And then, like I mentioned, the friend from Oberlin, Frankie, that's the only person she has established herself with where ultimately she tells the friend that they will not be moving in together in New York because... Aura's mother really needs her. 
it's just so frustrating. Because in fact, Aura's mom does not need her. Uh, she asks Aura how long she plans on staying in the house, mm -hmm. um, hinting that she should try to get a job and try to move out. Um, but I mean, it's it's so the exact opposite. Aura really needs her mother and her sister mm -hmm. around her. It, I mean, it almost seems like she's reverting back into a child. Like, half the movie, she's sort of curled up and bundled, hiding under blankets and walking around without pants on, like a kid. <laughs> I also noticed that um, she always bathes with somebody else in the room. It's like she can't oh, even yeah. be alone yeah. when she's showering. Mm -hmm. But despite all these things, I want to see... Aura do find something that she cares about. And I think that's the instinct of us as viewers when we watch this movie, you know? Mm -hmm. we, we root for the characters. We want them to find what they want mm -hmm. and to, to get what they want. And because she has nothing that she seems to be going for, it's hard for us to root for her. Well, I think that's what makes the film challenging to me. And by the end of it, I really... I don't even care that much. After she hooks up with the chef, who is the other male presence in this movie, I'm just so sort of disgusted by the whole situation. I mean, we've all hooked up with gentlemen that maybe weren't the best for us, but I like I just don't want to see where her life goes anymore just because it's like it's full of crappy decisions and she's had unprotected sex with this guy who is just the worst and it's it's hard for me to root for a person like that <laughs> this I, is embarrassing for me to say like i'm giving up on a woman because she slept with this guy but i mean it's not just that it's for you i'm guessing the reason that i really do love this film i remember being 22 and graduating mm -hmm. college and not necessarily lacking the ambition in a way that Aura did, but being confused and not knowing what I wanted to do or what I was qualified for. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like she just captured those feelings so perfectly. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, but I, I just wish there was like a glimmer of hope. It's like watching uh, Dancer in the Dark Oh, Lars von Trier? Yeah, it, like, I know it's not as extreme as that, but his movies are so punishing, and this is sort of what it feels like to me. Yes, I was lost after college, you know, I'm still figuring it out, but I was striving for something, and I had good people in my life, and there is none of that in this. There's nothing quite inspiring or hopeful in it. I like to think that she will figure it out. Mm-hmm. But, what gives you that impression? Um, Just because you know Lena Dunham did? <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's really hard to separate Lena Dunham, the filmmaker, from her characters because they're so inextricably linked with her own qualities um, mm -hmm. and where she's from and who she is. Um, obviously, Lena herself is not the same person as these characters or else I don't think she'd be able to play them quite so well or capture these feelings quite so well. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what? No, I don't, I don't know if Aura is going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, she'll end up doing something. You know, she won't end up 
poor and alone on the street because she comes from a privileged background and she Mm -hmm. has a mother that cares about her, which actually reminds me of the most captivating scene of this whole movie is the fight that she has with her mother in the hall. Mm -hmm. Because that scene is ugly. That is an ugly scene. As women, we have mothers and we fight with our mothers. And Mm -hmm. those fights are never meant to be public because they are ugly. We shriek and we yell and we say things that we don't mean and Mm -hmm. we cry and laugh often at the same time. Fights with mothers is, you know, a specifically mother-daughter female experience Mm -hmm. that I don't think I've seen quite so realistically and horrifyingly on screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think of something like Carrie, which is (laughs) one extreme. Or Um, Mommy Dearest. Or Mommy Dearest. But the fight in Tiny Furniture Mm -hmm. was so... I thought it was a perfect scene because Aura is being such a such a little bitch in it, you know? And, you know, her mom is trying to figure out what she's actually saying. The mom is very removed from this. Mm -hmm. Um, Aura just starts shrieking and freaking out. um, Pushes a bunch of magazines and mail onto the floor as, like, a final tantrum act. It's irrational, but Mm -hmm. it's so... It felt so real. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that scene was so perfectly ugly. I, It was interesting to me. I definitely, I part of me was distracted because I was like, is this a fight that she had with her? Was she just reenacting it? Like, or was she actually being more vocal than she might be otherwise in real life with her mother? And a realization that I just had is maybe her sister is supposed to be sort of the smarter, more focused part of her in the film yeah because during this fight her sister is standing off to the side um she's like dressed to go exercise and she is laughing at this whole scene because it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. like there's no reason to get upset or yell about any of this i couldn't help but compare this film a lot to girls Mm -hmm. um because it's hard not to see in a way uh, Hannah Horvath, the character portrayed by Lena Dunham, as a bit of a continuation of Aura. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one with more ambition. A little bit. Uh, one who is funnier. <laughs> um, but I think that's just a testament to the way uh, Lena Dunham has developed as a writer and a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should say girls, um, for those who haven't seen it, it's a series about a girl who is living in New York a few years after college. Her, in the first episode, her parents announced that they're cutting her off and they're not going to be uh, supporting her financially anymore mm-hmm. and she has to get a job and all she wants to do is be a writer. Um, so right there, you know, is the ambition that Aura yes. didn't have. Um, that already helps. That already helps. <laughs> uh, but what, do you, what did you think of Girls? We've both seen the first three episodes. I, I think a little bit part of the problem is it's a half hour show and the first episode... It just went by and I didn't understand what happened. I didn't understand which parts were supposed to be funny, which parts were supposed to be parody, in other words, or what was supposed to be sincere and genuine, and this is how I am, and this is how ladies of my generation are, or whatever. Um, Once it got going, by the third episode, I was more into it, mostly because we got a little bit more of a storyline 
on her friends. Oh, Marnie? I'm more interested in her story. Really? Yeah. I think she is the most annoying character of the entire show. Really? Marnie? Oh my god. She, I cannot stand her. Mm. She bosses Hannah around and acts like she has everything together mm -hmm. and just tells her what to do. I would find that so annoying. But why do you like her? Well, I guess it started because I, I hadn't really seen the whole the whole dynamic of her having this sweet, kind boyfriend and her not being into it. I'm curious where that's going to go. I'm guessing her character is going to unravel a little bit, especially considering she's in this circle of people who are not quite together. How do you feel about the idea of Hannah having to find a job, um, being cut off by her parents, having had this internship, this unpaid internship for a year that is not going to turn into a paying gig. It's at a publishing house. Yeah. Should we feel bad for her because she's being forced to get a job to pay her rent? No. <laughs> Does it make you feel like you don't like her? I don't like her because it doesn't seem like she's trying hard enough. And, like, haven't we had enough of that with... I know Sex in the City was a different generation, but there are so many shows about women where it's, like, their whole time on the show is they do some part-time gig or freelancing, and, like, and then they have a bunch of brunches and go shopping. And, yeah, they don't quite do that on girls, but most of her time is spent with this pretty abusive, not-quite-boyfriend... And hanging out with her friends, and then she goes to the clinic to get tested for an STD. Again, it's a half-hour show, that's so they can only squeeze in so much, but I'm not seeing her working hard enough to actually make something of herself. It's all mental. Like She thinks that if she thinks hard enough about being grown up and getting something done, it will happen. Which is, again, childish. <laughs> I wonder if with these, with, with what we've been calling in this show, ugly characters, mm -hmm. what keeps us with them? What is it about them that makes us keep watching? Um, I get the sense that we are supposed to dislike these characters and we want to watch them do something respectable, mm -hmm. you know? It, so I'm Surprise us, basically. <laughs> Surprise us. Go ahead. Yeah. So that's what I'm wondering about, is what is it about these ugly characters that gets us to keep watching and maybe to keep rooting for them? Good question. Um, we want them to transform into something more appealing. <laughs> Not necessarily in looks, but in terms of their life and character, they're more complex. That's what ugliness means to me a lot of the time. It's just more texture, more variety, more reality because we're all a little ugly in our own ways as people the best thing i think about ugly characters is that they challenge us mm -hmm. um they make us think about why am i watching this if this character is so not what i want them to be mm -hmm. um i think part of that is as an audience being challenged to not always get what we want yeah. out of a story yeah um, but also maybe make us think a little bit about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, like you were saying, everyone is a little ugly. Um, and 
I like it when a character says those things that you're not supposed to say out loud and does things that you really shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. um, and I just find their their challenge to be so intriguing. Mm -hmm. Well, that that's why we watch movies, because we want um, other people to do things that we might not be brave or strong enough to do. And then either absorb it and it's like, oh, I'm going to try saying that line or some variation of it. All I have to say to that <laughs> is I might scare you because I'm a man <laughs> and I know how to do things. I need a moment. <laughs> um, I guess the final thing is what I did appreciate about tiny furniture is typically... Aura would be playing a minor best friend character. And it's like, finally, she's at the forefront. And we get to see what's going on with her in relation to the bigger personalities in her life versus, you know, having all the focus on them. Yeah. I say these complicated characters, keep them coming <laughs> because they're good to watch. And I think that even though they can be challenging and unattractive, both physically or in personality, mm -hmm. um, they are not typical women, mm -hmm. um, and that's great. And I, I love seeing challenging female characters on screen. Absolutely. All right. Well, this has been Bonnie and Maude. Thank you for listening. Thank you.